Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, before we jump into this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon, I want to remind you that Palace Coffee Company is still giving $1 from every cause latte sold this month and next month to 24 Hours in the Canyon. This month's cause latte is the Espresso Tonic, and it is really good. Uh, it's made with Topo Chico, so that may be something that totally uh, catches your attention. And uh, it's very, very tasty. Cools you off on a very hot day. And then there will be another one next month. So remember, $1 from every cause latte comes to helping local cancer survivors. You can find Palace locations at, in Canyon on the Square. You can find the one downtown on Polk Street. There's one at 34th over by TJ Maxx and Jason's Deli. And then the newest one and largest one, actually, is over off of I-40 in Georgia. Uh, there in the shopping center there in Wolfland. So get by any of those locations, buy you a cause latte, and score us some money. Now let's get to this week's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey, Ryan. How are you today? I'm good, Pam. You? I'm good. You know, I'm excited about today's um, guest. You know, think back to March of 2020 when the world kind of changed and everybody tried to focus on maybe kindness. Yeah. Yes. And what a difference that made. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we've talked about on several occasions with, with folks who were diagnosed during that time, you know, we always say, I mean, obviously there's never a, a good time or the right time to be diagnosed with cancer, right? I mean, that, that's an obvious, but the absolute worst time to have that happen is during a pandemic when you're on your own, uh, you're kind of secluded. You may, maybe you can have a guest with you when you're sitting in the chemo chair for six hours, or maybe you can't. So we know that was a rough time on our survivors as well. Right. And just a little act of kindness can make a big difference in what they've gone through. Oh, absolutely. And so that leads us to our guest today. I want to jump right in because I, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, uh, our guest took a unique approach, if you will, to, to her cancer treatment after she was diagnosed. And, and of course, diagnosed in a very interesting way. We'll talk about that too. Uh, Lorelai Colbert uh, is an award-winning advocate, speaker, and creator. At 28 years old, she was diagnosed after she was newly married uh, with triple negative breast cancer. Uh, as she battled her cancer, she created uh, what we'll talk about, Chemo to Kindness Challenge, uh, that it had huge impact, inspired more than 1,700 acts of kindness. Pam, that's a lot. 1,700 oh, yeah. acts of kindness that impacted over 75 different organizations worldwide. And now she's a survivor, her leadership work has been recognized by advocacy and industry groups as she continues to shed light on breast cancer awareness in young women because she was diagnosed at 28, Pam, and we've had several uh, folks who've been diagnosed earlier. It seems like that's happening more and more. And uh, so she's an advocate for awareness in young women and the importance of being an advocate yourself. That's what we've talked about a lot, too. So we're Good super job. excited to have Lorelai with us today. Lorelai, how are you? I am wonderful. Thank you, Ryan. And thank you, Pam, for inviting me to come share my journey today. We're excited to have you. Um, let's start from the beginning. Um, let's talk about when you got diagnosed and go from there. 
Yes. So as you mentioned, 2020 was a hard year and that was for the world, not just for my cancer diagnosis. But in September 2020, I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer at the age of 28. And it completely blindsided us, like I'm sure that call does for many. We, uh, we being me, my husband, and our adorable pandemic puppy, Charlie May, <laughs> were going to be moving to the other side of the world on military orders. And I needed a physical. So when I had gone in for my appointment, we talked about birth control and, you know, the whole OBGYN exam. And one thing led to the other and a lump was found in my breast. So we went from thinking we were moving around the world in a pandemic right. to now facing breast cancer in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to ask too, because um, I was curious, we, you know, we, 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 we uh, listened to a podcast that you were on, another podcast that you're on. And you, so that move did not happen. You didn't move to Japan. It did not happen. No. Yeah. And, and then the interesting thing was, um, and I think maybe some of our listeners can relate. The only reason I bring this up is because of that. Um, I love the way you explained how, um, you guys, you and your husband and your pandemic puppy dealt with it the, the first night. Um, you, it's a very unique way. And I think a lot of people can relate to it because um, what, what, what you did is um, the most common language of, of, you know, dealing with things, I would think, right? Share with our listeners uh, what y'all did that evening. Yeah. So on September 15th, when I got the call, we came together and called our family, we called our work teams, and then we put our phones away and we ordered an amazing, delicious meal. Um, for those who love Italian food, I'm Italian, and I just needed a delicious meal by a small business that we knew put love and intention into their food. And that is really what we needed. Um, so we ordered dinners that night and then spent the night together away from our phones, recognizing the fact that now I would be facing cancer. We would be facing cancer, right. but we were going to have that, that moment and not just sulk. Of course there were tears, but we were going to still have a good moment together. Your life changed in that one moment and you look to food for comfort, which a lot of people do. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was delicious, I must say. <laughs> well, we have a good friend that um, cooks us Italian. And so I know Italian food is a very comforting food for me. Um, but let's talk about that visit when you went to your OBGYN. And um, there was one life changing moment in that um, visit. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. Yes. Um, so on that day, on August 26th, when I went in for the physical and we started uh, asking questions and thinking about what I needed for our international move, we decided that I could just have my full-on OBGYN exam that day. And rewind a bit. When I walked into that office that day, I, I was just feeling heavy. Um, 
I had some stuff lingering inside and I am usually a late person, but for this appointment, I was so proud of myself since it was a military doctor. I was going to be prompt. I left early, went the wrong direction. You know, I took the wrong exit. So I just walk in and I'm feeling it, you know? Yeah. And my nurse that day was light. She was, I felt her smile through the mask and she was someone that, you know, is living their purpose and loving what they're doing just by the way they're carrying themselves. So when I was in that appointment and things started progressing and we decided that I was going to have the OBGYN exam, the doctor, she had all of my charts and she said, look, you recently had a breast exam you don't have any, any risk factors. I had genetic testing done a few years prior, which showed no genetic mutations. We'll just skip the breast exam and we'll do the path and then we'll have you on your way. And when she left the room, that nurse who was this beaming light from behind the mask looked at me and said, so you're not doing the breast exam. And I just felt in my gut that this woman was meant to be in my life for a reason. And I said, because you said it, let's do it. And when the doctor walked back in the room, I requested the breast exam. And of course, that's no sweat off her back. In fact, it's the more, it's the less invasive of the OBGYN visit, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that was the moment that she, she checked my left breast and it was clear. And then in the right breast, she found a lump. So a couple things, it was the nurse and your gut. So, you know, our gut tells us something. It sure does. And I tell you too, we, we've talked about this, how um, we've related uh, people, nurses to uh, the fourth angel program that we have, right, Pam? So just as a side note, you know, you guys that are listening, if, if you are in need of a mentor or you would like to be a mentor, um, that we have a program that we work with the Cleveland Clinic called the fourth angel. And one of those angels that uh, Scott Hamilton, the ice skater, uh, relates to being an angel was his nurse. And uh, I couldn't help but think about that though, as you were describing that beaming light of that nurse that says, wait a minute, you're not going to do that. And you're like, we are going to do it. And mm -hmm. in that moment, I mean, I just can't help but think she was there, as you said, for a purpose, on purpose. Uh, and and, and it's, it, it was life changing. Absolutely. And she spoke up. And something that now I talk about when I share my journey is that I felt it that intuition, that gut feeling. And then I spoke up about it too. So when we think about patient advocacy, it's not just listening to your intuition, but it's that second component of taking action with it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like another one of our guests that we had, if you feel something, say something. That's right. That's right. Um, even if that's in your gut, I think that's important. Wow. Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked about advocation and advocating for yourself and you're your best advocate. And maybe, you know, and it's come up several times, right, Pam, just because the physician or the nurse pack or whoever does not say or ask a certain question that you maybe have an issue with or a concern about, you need to bring it up. 
That's right. Mm -hmm. So you got the diagnosis of breast cancer. From then, what happened? Well, and I would be reluctant if I didn't share that once we found the lump, just going to that be your own advocate piece, I met a lot of knowledgeable, skilled doctors who didn't essentially dismiss me, but didn't place an urgency on finding out what this lump was. Mm. So immediately after finding the lump, they, they said, okay, here's the pamphlet for the breast center, call ahead for the ultrasound. You'll probably need, need your referral to go in for 24 hours before you can call and make this appointment. And I think I lasted one minute when I walked out those doors. Um, and I called and I said, listen, we just found a lump. I need my appointment. And they said, your referral is not here yet. You know, at 28, you can't just call and request these things. So I waited, called when the time went and I fought for the first available appointment for the ultrasound. In that appointment, the doctor looked at the lump. She confirmed that it was a 3.6 centimeter lump in my right breast. And it looked mostly benign to her findings. So she said I could have waited six months to get a biopsy, or I could get a biopsy now if I wanted. And remember, we thought we would be on the other side of the world in six months. So I had no time to be leaving a 3.6 centimeter lump in my breast to see what was going to happen. Wow. Yes, and if again, you, if you want to just, just wait and worry for six months, we can do that. Yes. <laughs> no, no, we can't. No. And I had no idea that the lump was there. So Again, I pushed for the first available appointment for the biopsy and I did YouTube university was looking up all the terms, what was about to happen in this procedure. And again, the doctor, very kind, very skilled, very knowledgeable. But when I walked in again, he said, look, you're young. We're just rolling it out. You have nothing to worry about. And I'm so glad I worried and I was my own advocate and I pushed for those appointments because it was a, it was triple negative breast cancer. It was stage two B grade three, very aggressive. And we were on it at that point. We were on it. Once yeah. we found out, Ready to which roll. goes back to the question, Pam, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, curious, um, being military, do you feel like you had to wait longer to get in your to physicians? I don't know how that all works with the military life. I don't think so. After speaking with other survivors now, um, I, I mean, I pushed for the first available appointment. So all of the spacing in between, I would say, were just days. I do remember it was a national holiday before my biopsy. So instead of getting the Monday appointment, I had to wait until Tuesday. Yeah. But otherwise, I think the doctors and the care that I had through our hospital were amazing. Pam, we've talked to several young adults diagnosed with cancer on our podcast. Kiara mm -hmm. uh, Riga is one that we spoke to. And remember, I think she even said the same thing. Oh, you're young. You know, I was told that you're young, you're healthy when they thought that I had lymphoma. You're young, you're healthy. This, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, who cares? I mean, you'll be fine. You'll do this, you'll do that. I I just want our listeners who may be 
less seasoned, maybe they're younger, don't let that excuse or that that statement from a physician lull you into maybe some unnecessary comfort. Is that fair to say? I think so. Because I think you, Lorelai, you're you're a perfect example of this as well as some of the others we've talked to that you're young, you're healthy. It it is not, I mean, and you may find comfort in that, but yet you want to make sure and still advocate and push forward. So once you find out that it's triple negative, you said, we're on, we're ready to go. That's as we say, the roller coaster starts, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have the ticket to ride (laughs) and my husband and I had that meal. (laughs) And that night we made the decision as a team because you quickly realize that you're building your team to take on this beast that we were going to do whatever it took to win this battle. Right. And I met with my surgeon first. Um, and I don't know if that's always typical, but we weren't sure what the cancer was the first night I got the call. We knew that it was negative for the estrogen and progesterone receptors, but we weren't sure about the HER2. And it's so interesting in hindsight, looking back, when you get that call, you're just thrown into all of this vocabulary that you have no idea what it is. So as I'm writing down what the doctor is saying, I'm, I wrote down HER2. And then I went back and I said, who is her? Who is her too? I have no idea. Um, but once we met with the doctors and we found out it was triple negative, we decided that I would be doing chemotherapy first and then surgery after. And my chemo regimen was dose dense ACT uh, with the lovely red devil. And for my taxol regimen, I had the option if I wanted to do biweekly or weekly. And the option was there. And I've heard other patients get this option for how they want to tackle their taxol based on time for recovery, the, the, the length of of treatment. And I'm a crazy creative. And when I was looking at the number 16 was always my favorite number. And I thought, okay, bi-weekly treatments, ACT 16 weeks, let's do it. And, and we started in October. Yeah. October of 2020. Yes. So you said that you decided to pick your team. I feel like sometimes maybe whenever something as tragic as a diagnosis of cancer, a lot of people want to come out and help. Um, They want to just help do something. Did you find that to be true for you? Yes, I did. And a bit overwhelming at times, to be honest. I I would imagine being on a military base, there's a lot of people willing to jump in and do and help. And like you said, overwhelm. Well, it's interesting you say that Ryan, because we weren't, we were living just off the base, but it was also a time where my husband was working from home because of COVID. So the base was also very strict with just COVID protocols and safety. And I'm a Jersey girl. We live down in North Carolina So we're not very close to a lot of family and friends. Mm -hmm. 
So I was getting this outpouring of love and shipments and gifts. And it was a lot of love and a lot of help from afar. But I realized I quickly needed to think about how I wanted to be best supported and let people know. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as, as you, what you just said there, you're, you're in essence, right. Setting up boundaries as to here's kind of how I'm, I'm driving this ship, me and my husband, right. You and your husband and your dog, you are steering the ship and you're going to tell people, here's how you can help me. Here's kind of what I don't need. Maybe here's what I do need. I think that's very, very wise. Yes. Thank you. And like I said, it was a, it was a learning curve. Um, I was diagnosed September. I announced it publicly a few weeks after. So then I got a lot of outpour of love and, um, gifts and encouragement. And by the time I started chemo in October, I decided exactly how I wanted to take on chemo. And I also, uh, so I launched a kindness challenge, which I'm sure we'll, we'll chat about, but I also launched and used the website given kind where they help with meal trains or gift cards or other support that you might need, but it's all online. So it was really helpful that I can say, okay, I'm open to two people helping us with dinners this week or every week through treatment. And that way people can sign up for a day and send something, or if you're local, they could bring something. But as I mentioned, we were far. So a lot of the love and support was coming to us from a distance. They just want to help. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about this challenge. Let's dive right in. Let's walk our, yeah, I know it's, it's, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I know I can, I know you are as well. Let's talk about this challenge that seems so simplistic, but life-changing. Yes. The chemo to kindness challenge was an amazing, amazing experience, initiative, and passion project that I decided to launch on my first day of chemotherapy in honor of the nurse's kindness that I had experienced during that first appointment. And as I was dreaming up how I wanted to take on chemotherapy, I quickly realized that I need to share my story and share awareness that this happens to young women. And I had to be my own advocate. And I think we don't always share that as young people. So I had recently listened to a podcast by Simon Sinek with guest Andy, Andy Grammer. And it was the, a lot of optimism episode where they had talked about acts of kindness and how the love drug oxytocin, when you do an act of kindness and you, you pay it forward to someone else, all of a sudden, both your oxytocin levels rise. And then let's say they use the example that you're in a drive-through paying for someone's coffee behind you. And you let the cashier in on your little initiative and now their oxytocin level rises. And then maybe you get a phone call and you tell someone and all of a sudden it's just this love and light that is spreading because of one simple act. 
So I thought my life mantras have always been to seize the day and make an impact. And I knew from what I read, this triple negative breast cancer was a serious beast to be facing. And I thought, I just need to face this the only way I know how, which is being true, what drives me. Yeah. This plan you had from the outset is awesome. I think you mentioned in the podcast I listened to that you were an athlete previously. And so you kind of went with that mindset of, we're going to have a game plan and we're going to stick to the game plan. And this is my team and here's what we're going to do. And you, you divided it up in bites and here's how it's going to work. And for each week and so forth, I think that's just such a cool way to, to tackle this. Yes. Thank you. And it, it really was amazing. And when I was thinking about the numbers behind it, as I said, that 16, when it came to treatment, was so special to me. And I thought, how could we make this big? And I decided 100 acts of kindness a week isn't too much to ask for. So how about 100 acts a week for 16 weeks? It'll be 1600 acts of kindness. What an amazing number that goes back to my favorite number. And Thanks to that podcast, I knew I wanted people to do an act of kindness. I invited people to do an act of kindness in my honor to lift me up, but then tell me about it, share it with me on social media, because if other people got wind of this one, they would learn about triple negative breast cancer affecting someone who is 28, but they might be inspired to do an act of kindness too. And isn't that the kind of world we all want to live in? Absolutely. A better world. So whenever you thought about kindness, like what kind of kindness were you expecting to come out of this? So I really wanted others to realize that it didn't have to be monetary. Mm-hmm. And I think acts of kindness could be anything. I, I don't really know if I had specific expectations, but I remember giving examples and of course the, the reigning champ of examples was the nurse who was so kind and her kindness is really what made me stop and say, you're meant to be in my life because you're just the kind of people that I want in my circle. Right. So I think it was anything from little to big, uh, in terms of acts of kindness, you know, you can hold the door, you can, you can buy that coffee. And then as the act started coming in, it was so amazing to see how it organically grew and how it became a kindness community. It wasn't just my challenge. It felt like our challenge. Yeah. And I had repeat kindness givers who were asking questions and how to get more involved or where, where are the nonprofits that we've been impacting? So all of a sudden I realized, Ooh, I'm a little over in over my head as I'm taking over this, uh, this kindness challenge as I'm taking on breast cancer. So I wound up launching a website that because <laughs> you had plenty of time, was, right? You had nothing else to do. <laughs> my husband and best friend were like, please go to sleep. And I, was like, I could just launch this website by tomorrow. We can do it. Yes. Uh, was there, was there or maybe a couple that, that stick out in your mind of the kindness challenge, like, like, like blew your socks off, like, 
oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. Yes. Let's- one, one is, you know, 2020 was COVID. Right. And this challenge made its way around the world. So I received a lot of acts of kindness that people were donating to those who may have lost their jobs during COVID. But one COVID specific that really resonated with me was a woman in France who walked her dog during COVID restrictions where you really weren't supposed to be out and communicating. And she spoke with an elderly gentleman and he thanked her. And again, he said to her, you made my day from one conversation. There was another act of kindness where it was, there was another international uh, friend who sponsored someone's education for a year. Yeah. Wow. That's huge. Another friend donated $1,600 to their local breast center. Yeah. Well, you know, you just, Pam, we talk about this. You never know. You never know. You know, uh, that's why we tell people to share your story. You never know when you're going to impact someone. And just like this, by, by challenging and throwing out a challenge to, to do an act of kindness. I mean, you, you made life change happen clear across the world. You know, despite all the bad things that happened in 2020, you know, technology made good things happen like this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as much as social media sometimes gets a bad rap, um, it was really special to use social media for good Oh, sure. and connect so many people through a hashtag, uh, through, you know, through posting and reposting and to see children also get involved. And some parents wrote to me that they shared the challenge with their, their kids. And now they wanted to do an act of kindness for their neighbor in the height of COVID or teachers reach out and they were having their students learn the importance of kindness. It was really impactful and healing for me to see the impact that this was making as I was facing chemotherapy. Right. Well, and I'm sure just as you mentioned about the studies and that your your oxytocin levels raising. I can't imagine, you know, you you sitting there getting your chemo and maybe your phone dings and you get an email or you get a text and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I can't believe this just happened. And so I'm sure you told the nurses, you probably told the person sitting next to you in the chair. And so it does, it spreads like a wildfire almost. I mean, I can see how this just took off and probably just, uh, you know, there were probably even more that you didn't even know about. Yes. And a lot of people mentioned that to me and you're absolutely right, Ryan, I would sit in the chemo chair and I decided that I was going to do weekly videos for updates. Um, especially it being a quantitative goal of 1600, I needed to give everyone benchmarks of where we were at. To see if Y'all we need to pick it up. Time. Y'all need to get busy. <laughs> yeah. I felt like Santa. Like, oh, all right, people we're low. We need some more kindness, please. But I would do a morning video before I went into chemo because once I did the morning video, then it brought it to the surface again. And then when I was sitting in the chair, like I brought so many things to do in the chemo chair, but I was so overwhelmed with love and acts of kindness that my nurses and I would cry reading 
just all of the the goodness that was happening outside of those four walls. Yeah. So did you meet your benchmark of your 1600 kindness challenge? Yes, we met the 1600 acts and surpassed 1600. Uh, We wound up with more than 1700 acts of kindness around the world. Um, I think we were just over 1600 when I finished chemo. And then I kept counting until I had my bilateral mastectomy in March. Mm-hmm. But we had more than 1,700 mm-hmm. and we impacted more than 75 nonprofit organizations around the world. And I think we were in more than seven countries. Wow. That is awesome. That's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, you know, it's Pam, you, you know what it's like in the chemo room. I know what it's like in the chemo room, having seen it and worked in a, in a cancer treatment uh, center. Um those are hard days and those are hard times. And, yeah. you know, there's, you're surrounded by people going through hard situations. And, you know, sometimes I felt like, gosh, they, they're just trying to make the best of it. And, you know, sometimes they're sleeping. Sometimes they're, they're there for six, seven hours hooked up to an IV, but to be able to receive just random text messages and emails and, 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 results of what you sent out, I just cannot imagine the impact that had on you. And I mean, we'll never know scientifically, but it had to play a role in, in how you progress through your treatment and, and still are today. And I mean, I just think that's something that our listeners, one, if you're going through treatment, I I think it's a great challenge to throw out and and let's keep that going. Um, If you're done with treatment, I mean, gosh, why can't we do something like that on a regular basis, Pam? That's right. And I think they can go to your website to learn more, correct? Yes. Thank you, Pam, for reminding me. (laughs) You can go to lorelaicolbert.com and I still have the page up that you can tell me about your act. If you've done an act of kindness recently that you'd like to share and you can see the acts page to see some of the examples of the acts that were submitted, some of the photos that were sent in. And if you go to the impact page, you can see 75 nonprofits that were impacted, click on their logo and just expand the impact. Yeah. You know, one of the lists on there, Pam, I read that that's listed there, as you said, it doesn't have to be monetary. It was like, make a phone call to a relative you haven't spoken to or someone you haven't spoken to in a long time. I mean, just little things like that. Uh, it does not have to be buying the coffee or buying the lunch or, buy, or spending money. Um, that's what makes it so unique is it's unique to you and, and what can be done there. You know, one of the things that I, you, you did and you, you, you talked about this and we joked earlier about maybe being a test, but you, you have this 10 life lessons that you learned during this time. Um, but rather than talking about each one individually, is, is there something that, that when you were done and you were finished and kind of reflecting back, what, what comes to your mind? I think living a life of gratitude and being able to pause and choose how you want to face your beast head on. Yeah. In reflection of taking on chemo with kindness, it was really important for me to dial into my why, my purpose, 
And I realized moving forward into survivorship, I have to do that same thing. I have to dial in and think about how do I want to face survivorship when the days get hard? Because once you go through this one chapter, you don't close the book on hard experiences. So I think gratitude and choosing, choosing to be positive, choosing how you want to face something is a life lesson that has really stuck with me. Wow. You know, we talked about um, healthy boundaries in one of our podcasts and yeah. I can agree more, but you know, sometimes just having that gratitude um, in your heart makes a big difference in how you see things. And, you know, I know when people come here and partake in some of our services, something as simple as some of our fun activities like fly fishing or the full moon hikes or the charcuterie board making, um, it's a small impact in their life. They have a chance to be happy and grateful for that they're around other people that have gone through something like yourself. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Pam, one of the things too, uh, choosing the right mindset. I love how, how um, that came up choosing the right mindset. And we talk about that too, right? Being positive and staying positive and how to be positive and being around others um, who have been there, done that, and are, are living example of, of, of survivorship. That's another great way to, to raise that positive impact. I, I tell you, uh, <laughs> this is so, I, I it, it ties back to uh, a real quick story, it ties back to um, a friend of ours who passed away from COVID and his wife uh, gave, I, I told Japan about this the other day, his wife kind of gave a speech. Uh, he was recently inducted into um, one of the high school hall of fames here after he passed away. And he was a huge scout, um, scout master, Eagle Scout, his kids were all Eagle Scouts. And um, she said one of the, his mantras he lived by was turn a good deed daily. And I couldn't help but think about that as we were preparing to talk to, with you today. And uh, same type thing, turning a good deed daily, you know, acts of kindness, whatever it might be, you know, Laura Lee, that is a that is a great challenge for us to leave a positive impact going forward. And we want to challenge our listeners, go to your website. We want to uh, give that out again. Would you give out your website again? Yes. It's lorelicolbert.com. L-O-R-E-L-E-I-C-O-L-B-E-R-T. And you can tell me about your act and it would, it would lift me up and I'll, I'll share if I get any new ones um, just to keep the kindness going. And it's important to note, I love that story that you mentioned, Ryan, of your friend and turning the good deed daily. And again, it's a choice and it's not toxic positivity, which also comes up so much in the, the cancer community. Yes. You're recognizing the fact that things are hard, things are tough, but you're focusing on what you can control. So just like your friend, he can control turning a good deed daily. I can control facing my beast, how I want to face it, even if I might need to go cry in the shower. It's okay not to be okay sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is. And boy, we can relate to that toxic positivity. Go find our, our podcast we did on toxic positivity. It was powerful. Um, been guilty, Pam. I know we talked about that, of being... 
a, a toxic positive person and I am striving to do a whole lot better. So uh, I'm glad, uh, Lorelai, you brought that up. That's one of those things that's like, yeah, definitely need to do that. Uh, gosh, this is so great. Tell us, leave us here real quick before we get to our Pete's powerful moment. Tell us how you're doing now. Let's, let's, let's talk about where you are now. Well, now I am here in North Carolina. We did not move around the world. And we are Survivra-ing. If you followed my journey, instead of just surviving, I was introduced to the term Survivra, which is in French and broken down into English. It is on to live. So life forward. And I am facing survivorship. It has not been easy. I started therapy. I started some peer-to-peer communication groups. I'm continuing my advocacy work. And I'm diving into new experiences and new projects to raise awareness of kindness and and being your own advocate. Yeah, that is so awesome. If they want to um, get follow you on social media, do you have your handles? Yes, it's at Lorelai Colbert. So I will save your time and ears from spelling my name again. But please connect with me, and we are in this together. And was there a hashtag that you use for your acts of kindness? I use hashtag 1600 acts. So go Google that. And thank you so much for joining us. I hope our listeners go out there and make a a difference in someone's life, even if it's just a smile or holding the door. But we like to leave our listeners with the Pete's Powerful Moment. We are sponsored by Pete's CarSmart Kia. Can you share one of your powerful moments that you have to share? Yes. And Ryan kind of sparked this earlier when he said, you're in the chemo chair and maybe you're talking to someone next to you or someone sleeping. But my last day of chemo, I actually couldn't get chemo. I was neutropenic, but I went in and I got my labs done and I finally had someone who wanted to talk to me in the other chair in my room. Usually I was solo. And my dear friend Inga was there for her chemo treatment. And I shared with her my chemo to kindness challenge. And we talked and then I couldn't get chemo. So I left and we thought that was it. Well, on the night of my bilateral mastectomy, when I had to stay in the hospital, the nurses are wheeling me into the room and I just hear Lorelai, is that you? And Inga was my roommate. And it It was so surreal, especially having our surgeries for two different types of cancer around the same time after meeting for one time in our lives. And the fact that it was COVID, so we were not allowed to have anyone with us, but we were roommates that night. And when you think of kindness, Inga, you know, we were holding on to each other. We wound up taking a couple laps around the hospital floor and she helped me cut my meal because my arms were so stiff from surgery. But that moment of sharing our night in the hospital together is such a powerful moment of kindness and love. And you never know how you might find someone again on your journey. So this goes out to my girl, Inga. And two weeks ago, we just had breakfast to celebrate our anniversary from our night in the hospital 
and celebrate life as survivors. That is so awesome. Wow. Nothing happens by chance. I mean, it was, that moment was meant to be in the chemo chair and oh my gosh, that Pam, it doesn't happen often, but I'm, I'm almost speechless. A cool story to share and something that y'all can share probably for a lifetime because I'm yeah. sure you gained a, a friend out of the whole um, ordeal that you went through. Yes, a lifelong friend from now we've had three days together in our life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Lorelai, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. You know, this is one of those things and I'd be remiss if I didn't share it, but it's one of those things where you, you, you it's the proverbial lemonade from lemons. And, you know, you hate to use the old cliche, but uh, gosh, Pam, we've had several of these before, you know, we've had Hallie's uh, Hallie Strong Foundation um, mm-hmm. on our podcast. And then definitely we can, you know, we've partnered with them uh, doing socks in the chemo room. And definitely, I think um, we need to add uh, chemo to kindness to our list of, of partnerships. And we want to challenge our listeners, do those acts of kindness, but follow through with the post and send it back to Lorelai. Let her know, let us know these acts of kindness that you're doing, right, Pam? That's right. And if you're a survivor struggling, going through treatment, go to her website, look at those acts, let them lift you up. That's right. That's right. And come join us. Be a part of what we have here at the center. Um, we don't dwell on the fact that you've you've had cancer or have cancer. That 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 is not in our uh, vocabulary. That is not where we are. What we do is we want to come alongside you and lift you up whether that is at a fun activity, you know, uh, Pam is really good at coming up Lorelai with some fun, crazy activities. I like to do the outdoor things, the full moon hike, those kinds of things, take people fly fishing. Pam loves to come up with charcuterie making classes and flower arrangement and flower arrangement. But here's the thing, folks, here's the deal. They are fun. It doesn't matter if you're a guy. It doesn't matter if you're a girl. Girls can fly fish. Girls can go on hikes. Guys made charcuterie boards. Guys do flower arranging classes. Uh, You're not the only one. And so it's not not, uh, one way or the other. Have fun with it. And that's one of the things that I didn't get to really fast. Your life lessons uh, was, you know, to savor the moment. And hard situations can be tackled with positive actions. And those are some things that we try to encourage you guys here at the center, whether it's in a support group, whether it's in a walking group, the water exercise class is a cult that has uh, so much fun. Um, they do. And, and that's, that, that is a, a great class to try. It's in four feet of water. So as long as you're taller than four feet, you don't even have to swim. You can touch the bottom of the, of the pool and not get your hair wet and have fun. And they are, Pam, they are in a great bunch of folks there that are encouraging. They lift you up. And that's what it's about while you're going through treatment and then after treatment. That's right. That's right. Lorelai, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for uh, sharing your story. Uh, You know, we will get back to you on some of the uh, kindness acts we're going to do. I'm going to challenge Pam to some kindness and uh, I'm sure she'll challenge me as well. And we challenge our listeners to do that. And then also make sure you join us next week for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.